When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. February 2nd and 3rd is NHL All-Star Weekend in Toronto. Join us for the SDPN All-Star Takeover. Two days of live shows, special guests, parties, and more all taking place at the Rec Room in downtown Toronto. Attending the NHL All-Star festivities, we are literally down the street from Scotiabank Arena, so come hang out. On Friday, February 2nd at 2 p.m., join us for live shows from Agent Provocateur, The Chris Johnston Show, and the Steve Dangle podcast before the NHL All-Star Skills Competition. Then on Saturday, February 3rd at 12 noon, we're back with the SDPN All-Star panel with Steve, Adam, Jesse, and an incredible lineup of special guests. And we're not done there. On that Saturday at 7.30 p.m., the SDP All-Star Party. After the final whistle, join us at Isabel's on King Street West. Hang out, have a couple drinks, and close out the NHL All-Star Weekend in style. If you're a hockey fan, this is where you need to be on NHL All-Star Weekend. Tickets for all events available now. Links below. And make sure you're following SDPN Sports on all of your social channels for info, updates, and more. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. On Wednesday morning from Robin Doolittle of the Globe and Mail, a significant update in the Hockey Canada scandal that we have been following. Basically, the entire hockey world has been following. Five members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Hockey team have been told to surrender to London, Ontario police to face sexual assault charges. As of the writing, the players have not yet been charged, but have been given a period of time to turn themselves into London police. That's from the Globe and Mail. On uh, February 5th, Monday, February 5th, that's less than two weeks from now, London police will have a press conference to share more details in relation to their investigation. Uh, one comment that has surfaced, I believe, was Katie Strang, who got it from the NHL. Uh, when there, This is from uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. When there is further information to share regarding this investigation, we will be in contact with media outlets. There's a lot to unpack from this story. It, again, as I mentioned earlier, it is a significant update. Where should we start in terms of unpacking the story? Because it is a lot to take in. Well, I mean, I think first off is, is we're going to be very careful with how we approach everything because obviously, um, you know, this is a significant allegations. It's a significant case. Um, you know, we're going to learn a lot more, obviously, when players do turn themselves in, when, when that press conference is held and obviously whatever sort of legal proceedings follow it. Uh, you know, at this point, I, I would say that we really shouldn't expect anyone to say anything other than I think that the police, I think that that's kind of, if you want to call it the next shoe to drop or the next, where the next piece of information is going to come from, it's going to be, you know, I think the, the NHL, the NHL players association, the agents for these players, the teams that, that uh, these players are employed by right on down the line. I mean, I think they're all kind of beholden to the, the legal process. And so 
you know, I, it's uh, it certainly is a big development. I think that at times there have been some question about whether there actually would be criminal charges. Ultimately, uh, just given how long uh, this investigation is stretched on uh, in London, um, you know, but to me is is obviously this is a sad story that hasn't changed from the beginning. I think, you know, I still see this as what I would say is at least a positive development because it's, it's, it's the beginning of clarity, right? We don't have a ton of clarity, but it's the beginning of finding out what the, the police have found with their investigation. You know, obviously the, the players, the five players in question are going to have the rights as any individual does to contest the charges, to offer up their side of the story for, for lack of a better term. Uh, there's going to be a process that goes on now, but I think that the longer it just dragged on and every update you got, whether it was from a member of the league or the, the union, you know, just basically like it's it's still happening. The investigation, I think that there was a level of frustration there. Whereas now, to me, this is the, at least a tangible step forward towards having a better understanding of what happened and potentially, um, you know, seeing punishment to those who should be punished. Um, any idea as to why we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to hear from the police on this? Maybe it has to do with however long the time period is for those players to report to police. I think that's a part of it. And, and, you know, some of it's logistical is my understanding. You know, it's funny. I've seen a lot of commentary today and I know we'll get into the, the, the Utah expansion uh, bid. And, and, you know, a lot of people just think that there's one maestro behind the scenes pulling strings and and having everything be, you know, basically controlling every aspect of this. It's, I don't believe that's the case. I mean, um, you know, we could debate when it, whether it should be this week, next like, the, the press conference is when the press conference is. It's it's still not that far in the future. Obviously, as of this recording, Julian, none of the players have turned themselves into police. Uh, and there is a window of time uh, where they have the ability to do so. And so, you know, this is part of the process, I would say. And, and as much as I know people want every piece of information today and on every demanding, you know, immediate justice, I think that that, to me, I just see this as part of the process. And I don't think there's anything untoward happening there. Um, you know, you could argue it's not better for anyone involved. I mean, it's it's now going to hang over to the, the All-Star Week uh, festivities in Toronto next week uh, with that press conference coming just on the other side of those festivities. Um, you know, I, look, none of this is good, I, but I do think it's important that the right steps are followed. Um, there are people who are, going, who are speculating about this in, in terms of who could be involved. And my next question is, Will it get to a point where we will know those names? Of course. I mean, once charges are filed, I, I don't think that will be private matter. Um, you know, the, the, it's not hard to connect that five members of the 2018 uh, Canadian World Junior Team have taken leaves of absence from various professional teams around North America and, and in one case in Switzerland. Um, you know, I I don't want to say more than that personally because I – I don't have direct knowledge that those are the five names that line up with, with what's happening in London. I can understand why someone might want to make that connection, but you know, I'm not going to come out and expressly do that. And um, you know, but certainly this is, this is part of the process. I mean, it's hard to say what's going to happen next from here, but um, you know, usually in cases like this, there can be, you know, one side or another can seek to get sort of some publication bans in terms of aspects of, of, you know, whatever's being discussed in court, uh, being kept uh, from from being reported on by media. 
Um, you know, that's contested at times. So I, I don't know what I don't know what degree we'll learn about everything, but but certainly the identity of the five individuals that um, you know are, are facing sexual assault charges. We're, we're going to know that, and, and I would expect a whole lot more when all this plays out. Uh, what do you make of the timing of this story coming out? I mean, obviously, London police has to take whatever time, and they're not on the NHL schedule or anyone's schedule with regards to this. But this is a story that a lot of people have been waiting for since last summer, even well beyond then. And as you mentioned, on the eve of the hockey world descending on Toronto for the All-Star game, now we learn this latest development and with some teams being on a buy, other teams not being on a buy ahead of the all-star game and entering those next few days, that story will dominate conversation in the lead up to that February 5th day when London police uh, speak to the media. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, I mean, I think no matter what was going on at any given time, like if this came during the Stanley cup final or the first week of the season, you know, when all this landed, I think it would dominate, whatever was going on. I mean, you know, I came, I'm in Scotiabank arena right now uh, on Wednesday evening. And I, I came here thinking this morning, Oh, this is going to be a big game, national game, two Canadian teams, you know, and the, the global mail story dropped while I was, you know, on my commute down to the rink. And, and obviously that's dominated the day. I mean, I, I just think that no matter, you know, when this fell, it would be major, major news for obvious reasons. Um, you know, the one thing I'd say too, for those that have wondered about the timing and, and we'll probably learn more about this, but, these are very complex situations. Uh, this involves people's lives. I'm talking both, you know, the people that are alleged to have committed crimes in this case, and obviously, um, you know, a victim in this case. And so, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces around how that all comes together when, when it, whether it's, you know, participating in investigations, you know, what you may say in those investigations, what legal advice each of those individuals are getting. I, I think that what, well, there is there's intense public interest in the story and therefore i think a lot of people wondering like why so long and you know it's almost like you want to see the end of the movie for lack of a better way of putting it you, you have to understand that there really is a lot that goes into even getting to this point where now you know charges are pending against five players so um you know i think in some ways it would be nice of course if everything could just be neat and tidy and wrapped up in a bow and punishment rolled out and all that really quickly, you know, the reality is there's a lot of different things going on. And, and, you know, I haven't been able to get, you know, glean much hard information, you know, since the stories broke on Wednesday, you know, for reasons that are apparent. I mean, nobody wants to say too much, but one thing that, you know, a player agent told me is that this, this could probably stretch on for months and maybe even more than that um, before there's any sort of conclusions too. So, you know, I'm certainly not a legal expert. This is a little beyond, um, the normal scope of of my job, but you know, I'm, I'll say that while this is a, certainly a big development, and I think a few more are coming here in the relatively near future, it could still be a process that takes a long time to to reach a resolution. From where we are now, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, look, wow. I, like there could there could be a trial, there could be appeals, there could you know, yes. I don't I don't I don't want to sort of predetermine where it's going because I, I honestly don't know how it's going to play out. But I mean, those are among the things that could happen. You know, a lot of people are asking about these players individually, you know, the ones in the NHL that have taken indefinite leave, if they indeed are the players involved, you know, what happens to their contracts I mean, all that stuff will have to be sorted in time, but it's, it's hard to say, um, you know, we've seen last summer, Alex Galchenyuk had charges pressed against him in Arizona and the Coyotes terminated his deal. Um, 
you know, if, if that happens for one or any players currently under an NHL contract, it's possible a team does that. It's possible they suspend the player um, while everything plays out and retain, you know, his rights. I mean, yeah, I think that, that there's a everyone wants to race ahead, but, you know, I'm trying to be careful to, um, you know, not presuppose too much because this is, this really is, I mean, this is a massive, massive story. I, I was trying to think because there been a bigger sort of scandal, if you want to call it for lack of a better term in, in hockey. I mean, over time there probably has, you know, Alan Eagleson basically defrauding all the top players in the NHL back in the day and, and ultimately landing in jail, pretty big scandal. I mean, you know, you, we've seen some on ice incidents, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Bertuzzi Moore, you know, that generated a lot of headlines that, that spilled into the courts, you know, it wasn't just a, a hockey only response, but you know, this is, this is one of the, the larger stories and certainly the biggest of our time. And, and so, you know, I think we should handle it with care and we should also expect that it's, it's not going to be all done and dusted within a couple of weeks. It, I think it's arguably, if not the biggest, it's one of the biggest I've ever seen. I mean, this literally, it's one thing for on ice stuff to happen. And even you'll see changes off of that, but this is a story that has gradually distorted how we view hockey culture especially in canada we've seen sponsors pull out uh, their support from from hockey canada and we have seen leadership change as a result of this i i think in terms of the impact of this of of everything that has transpired from when we first heard about this lawsuit there have been so many distinct changes and in order and 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 justice needs to be seen out at the end of this however this plays out and it needs to be done right I, I know we've had to wait all this time to, to get to this point and through trials and stuff, there, there will be more time added on, but this needs to be done. Right. And, and yeah, this is just, it's a massive story. And there's a big reason why it is. Right. Yeah. You know, and hockey Canada has already been ripped apart at the seams by this and some other things. I mean, primarily this issue, how it was handled, the fact that there was a payout, um, as opposed to punishment at that time or more of an investigation into what happened. Um, you know, that's already happened. And then obviously now we're going to get to where we're talking about the careers and lives of people. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the hockey world is so small too, that everyone is sort of one degree away from everyone. And so I think that this, this definitely has some far reaching impacts. And um, I suspect this isn't the last time we're going to talk about it, Julian. You know, I would think no. these next few weeks are going to, include a lot of developments that we'll be reacting to. I'm I'm also just intrigued as to how, I mean, I think, I mean, the, I think the next few episodes that we do, the next few, next, any little bit of hockey talk you hear, I wonder how this story kind of hovers over that. We're going to be at an all-star event. Like how much of a talking point is that going to be, especially with the commissioner likely going to be addressing this in some way, even if he just says, well, we'll wait until the investigation, uh, the next steps of the investigation or whatever is said from London police the next week, right? Like this is something that's going to hover over the hockey world, whether we want to pay attention to it or not for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And it already has to, it's been a low lying, maybe it hasn't hovered over, but it's been humming just below the surface. I would say, I mean, when I just think back to all the, I've been involved with Gary Bettman's availabilities at the board of governors meeting at the Stanley cup final at, various other places. I mean, he's been asked about this consistently for the last two years, as we would expect. And so that's going to happen when he meets the media next Friday in Toronto. Um, but, you know, again, I don't, I'm not excusing him or, or absolving him. I don't, I'm not sure what he can say until 
we, you know, with the, the police start to unveil their findings till, you know, perhaps charges are formally pressed and we move forward with the, the legal aspect of the case. Yeah. And we'll be on that story as it develops. Another story that came through on Wednesday uh, from uh, the state of Utah, uh, the Smith Entertainment Group, Brian Smith, uh, the owner of that and the owner of the Utah Jazz, uh, putting out a statement on Wednesday saying that they have formally requested the NHL initiate an expansion process with the ultimate purpose of bringing a franchise to the state of Utah. The NHL responded with a statement saying that they appreciate their interest. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw that report? Well, not report, when you saw that statement from uh, the SEG? Well, the first thing I'll say is because I saw so many people coming out with the hammers in social media, you know, accusing this of being like a leak meant to, you know, take some steam out of the Hockey Canada stuff. I mean, anything is possible, but I don't really believe, I think it's an uh, unfortunate coincidence as much as anything, quite honestly. Um, you know, I actually had seen a, a copy of the press release. Sometimes in advance of news like this, reporters get circulated the, the information and there's what's called an embargo, you know, say you can release this information as of time X. In this case, it was eight o'clock mountain time in the morning, 10 a.m. Eastern where I am. And that was already out before the Globe story leaked. Like, keep in mind, nothing that happened in terms of the London news getting out was an announcement. There was no formal press release or announcement. That was, you know, Robin Doolittle, as you said, at the top, getting a scoop. And, and so, you know, well, maybe there was some desire to, to match this up in the same week or something. Maybe I'll grant you that, but I don't buy that. It was like that they were hovering over the button, ready to hit this as soon as they, the, the news hit the, the globe and mail, just because I, I don't think it's possible. Again, there's not one person pulling the strings. And as I said, in this case, I do know that the copy of that release was put out there embargoed. And so, you know, the timing from, as far as I understand it, from the Utah side of things, is there some legislative related um, infrastructure projects that, that need to kind of be approved in a certain window. And I think that that's part of the, the timing in terms of Ryan Smith and his team announcing this on Wednesday when they did. And, and, you know, my reaction was, okay, what does this mean? I mean, we've known probably going back to at least late 2022 that Salt Lake city was, you know, considered, I think a bona fide market for the NHL, you know, Ryan Smith's a very wealthy man. He's, he's shown a lot of, overt interest that, you know, has obviously met with Gary Bettman and other senior members of the NHL staff. Um, you know, even was starting to be mentioned last year, if, if Arizona needed to move quickly, could they maybe relocate the team there? That obviously didn't happen, but you know, so it's not new that there's interest. I think, you know, what, what his group is trying to signify though, is they're ready. They're, they're ready and willing right now to, to take on a team and they'd like to, to get a crack at an expansion franchise. And so, Next steps for the league would be to decide at the board of governors level, do they want another team? I mean, the league's already at 32, of course, uh, outpacing the NBA, for example, in the moment in terms of number of teams, you've got balance, pretty good balance, West and East. You've got four, eight team divisions. You know, do you want to go to 33, whatever? I mean, that that would have to be decided before this could move forward that way. And then, you know, part of me just wonders, is this tied to the fact that Coyotes still haven't resolved um, you know, the land issue to, to, to build a new rink there. Um, you know, there is kind of an unofficial deadline coming up where the NHL needs to know what the plans are. And so I just wonder, is there some 
it's part of this to exert a little pressure on on if something doesn't happen in Arizona to make uh, Utah a viable landing spot. So um, interesting times, man. It's hard to imagine going to 33 or 34 teams already, but there's also a lot of money in those expansion fees. Uh, you know, the price went from 500 million for Vegas to 650 million for Seattle. No way it's coming under a billion if they, if and it's still an if the league uh, expands again. Two things from that. Uh, The first thing, if I may, um, I don't know if I believe in the the grand conspiracy theory that that story was released to offset the reporting from Robin Doolittle. I don't know if I believe that. Even then, like you saw how it played on the timeline. A lot of people much rather it would be more interested in in the details of, of the Hockey Canada story compared to discussing a potential franchise in Utah. But in any case, the NHL, if even in a world where the NHL tries to do that on purpose, the NHL loses because the Utah expansion thing is not the topic du jour. It's not the top of mind for, for everybody, especially in Canada with regards to this hockey Canada situation. So I don't know if I believe that. And and I appreciate the fact that you're willing to divulge that too. The details. I'll say though, the Smith Entertainment Group doesn't win either. I mean, they're trying to make a buzz here, right? Like they're they're trying to generate interest and and excitement, and you know their their announcement ends up landing flat. Not not because of anything they did, just because of the, the timings off. So, I you know, look at I get the conspiracy theory. Look at I've been a journalist for a long time, Julian. You you've been at this a number of years now too. We all know about the Friday afternoon news dump or the idea of you know, hiding the, the real news in amongst a sort of smoke screen. Like that definitely happens. I'm not disputing that as, as a tactic that is used in certain circumstances. This just, the, the, the Hockey Canada news wasn't traditional news. This is an example of a reporter breaking news, but it's not like the NHL released that news or even the London police no. released that news. And so that's a really key difference here. It's not like one was a news conference scheduled for 9.30 and the other was scheduled for 10 and, and like it's meant to blend together. You know, this was... This was a reporter who broke news and a news outlet that broke news. And then the other one just happened to fall 15 minutes or so later. And I think, quite honestly, having been in touch with someone who is working with the Smith Entertainment Group, they were not happy with that from their end because they didn't didn't create the buzz that they wanted to. Yeah. The second thing, uh, with more specifically to the possibility of a 33rd NHL team, I would love to know how you feel about expansion because for me – I think this is a cool idea. I think the idea of a 33rd, and if you want to round it out and get a 34th team, that's an opportunity for more money. That's an opportunity to to have more exposure in in different markets. And I've seen some people feel the opposite and feel that you're watering down the league and you're watering down quality. But in the interest of of making money and and having a higher pool of revenue to draw from, like I, I... I think this is a, this could be a good idea, but I would love to know your thoughts on this. I'm wrestling with it in my brain. I mean, there's, I can't sit here with a straight face and say there's a magic in 32 teams. I mean, what there is, is there's a nice symmetry in 32 teams. It's nice to have four eight-team divisions. Like, I, I used to think it was kind of strange, you know, especially when they were at 31 teams, that one division, they went to divisional playoff format, and one division had seven teams, all the rest had eight. It was like, well, it's, it's an advantage, a tacit advantage to be in that seven-team division in terms of qualifying for playoffs, which, you know, helps make gate revenue for owners, helps make players more money if they have good performance is blah, 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 blah. So 32 is a nice round number. And, and you know, I think the league's in a pretty good spot with that. I, I just wonder at what point is too much, too much. Like if you're, 
you know, when, when you talk about adding two more teams, just for uh, the hypothetical, you're talking about adding like 40 to 50 players more to the league. Like, are there, if we're taking the next 40 or 50 best, whether they're from Europe or the American hockey league, like at what point are we diluting the product? At what point is it harder to sell those markets? I mean, I don't, I don't have a good answer and I don't have a, a hot take for you. I, I just feel 33 feels like a lot, honestly, but 32 is a lot. And you know, I just wonder, I, you, you really want to make sure you've got your house in order everywhere with your current organizations when you're expanding. And so I, I sort of feel like before the league can even contemplate, um, you know, what it's going to do in terms of a 33rd, 34th team, I think they really got to be sure they're on the right path in a place like Arizona. And today they can't be. I mean, I know the Coyotes people are working super hard. Like they, you know, they're, they're trying to build a rink. I, I've said this before and you don't always believe it. I really think that if the Coyotes get the right arena, and that's a giant if, because we have 15 years of examples of that not happening, that that it will be a successful venture. I think it will be a great market. I think it'll be a place players want to play, but they don't have a great arena right now. They have, you know, it's like 4,600 capacity at Mullet Arena. It's not a money-making venture for them. And so anyway, that's a long way of saying before you're expanding, I think you got to make sure your own house is in order. And at this point in time, we can't say definitively that the, the house is in order everywhere. That's a good way of putting it. I'll say this about Arizona. I want to believe it can work. And I I want to believe that there are fans who would show up to a well-situated rink in Arizona to watch the Coyotes play, especially as they're starting to get better with the core of players that they have. What annoys me is the time they've been given to get themselves in order. While there are other markets who have shown interest, who might be deserving and yeah i'll lump quebec city in that conversation even though i understand they probably it might not be as lucrative of an opportunity compared to tapping into a u.s state or a u.s market that could that that is untapped essentially that's my whole thing with the arizona thing not to make it a whole thing about that but i'll add that yeah i mean look at if you're, you need teams and places that can make money Right. I mean, this isn't we didn't plan out a Winnipeg conversation right now, but, you know, Winnipeg is still a big concern for the league. And, you know, they're, at, they're right at the top of the standings in terms of winning percentage. And they're still their third last as of today in terms of percentage of their arena that's been sold out this year. A little born 80 percent of their tickets were sold and, and and they play out of a smaller venue. And so that's the danger for me with Quebec City. It's not that I don't I mean, look, at I know they built a great venue there. There's no question there are hockey fans there. Uh, passionate hockey fans, fans that have been toyed with in a lot of ways and deserve this as individually. But I could see why there'd be concern from the NHL standpoint that if we go there and if, you know, if the team doesn't win for a couple of years, like what does the building look like? Or, or do they, you want to be going to revenue generating places. Arizona has been given the chance it has because it's the fifth or sixth largest Metro market in the U S um, full stop. Like, I think it's that simple. It, it, it's, it's, it has so much potential if it works, but I mean, look at no one needs to hear that, that they've had a lot of time to make good on that potential and, and time is certainly running short on them. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we'll keep an eye on, on uh, Salt Lake city, Utah uh, with regards to their ex- potential hopes for expansion. A lot to get to on this show today. Uh, CJ, uh, the next they one, will be called, wanna... by the way, when they get a team, eventually they will be called Utah. They're, they're not going to be, they're going to be a state representative team, not the city representative team, sort of like the Utah Jazz, of course, but 
So, so what about a mascot? What do you call that? What would you, what do you think would be a good name for them? <laughs> I have given zero thought to that. Come on. You're more creative than I am. No, you'd be very surprised at the lack of creativity in my brain. Uh, <laughs> I love the athletic hockey show. Ian Mendez and I have tried to uh, tried to come up with random names and we'll just leave it there with that. Well, um, am, I not, if I, am I not mistaken? Did the, the jazz, I think they relocated from new Orleans and they kept the nickname. Is that right? I believe, I believe that's what the story is because the I, point I, is I, that they didn't it, name them the Utah jazz. I mean, they just inherited the jazz as a nickname and kept it. Yeah, and no shade to Utah. I do not think of that state when I think of jazz. I would much sooner think of of Louisiana and New Orleans. You know what? I've never been there. I've heard great things. And so too. on a selfish level, this this probably brings us closer to a trip to Utah at some point in the next five years because, <laughs> you know, work might yeah. take us there now. Well, uh, I don't see why not. Uh, if, you have, if we have any fans out in Utah, let it be known. Okay. Let's hey, we go got northern, from, we got northeast England. I got a message from Northeast England the other day. So we do. We got the world covered, ah. bud. We're mapped. CJ show all over the world. Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the next topic I want to get to. Kyle Dubas. Uh people who listen to this podcast who care for the Toronto Maple Leafs, they know who Kyle Dubas is. And I hope that some of those people took the time to read Rob Rossi's column in The Athletic. Uh, called the Penguins aren't Stanley Cup contenders. Enter Kyle Dupas. Basically, that article is making the point that this team isn't good enough to be a Stanley Cup contender, and they really should be looking at selling off assets. I don't know if there's a better way to sum up how this season has gone more than that Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin own goal against Arizona earlier this week. Brutal, brutal. Two future Hall of Famers combining for one of the biggest blunders we have seen this NHL season. What's the temperature like in Pittsburgh right now? And what do you think Kyle Dubas should do ahead of the deadline? Well, what's interesting is if you remember back in December, he did have a, a press briefing and, and he said he would sort of determine the team's fate at the all-star break. And here we are now that the Penguins have two home games Friday, Saturday, and then they're into their all-star break. And, you know, I actually reached out to, to Kyle this week and just, you know, to get clarification that did he mean that as like a hard deadline or was it more just a, at the time, like, you know, I need more time. And, and you know, what he basically communicated is he's, he still needs more time. It wasn't as though on January 27th, he felt like he had to determine the course of the team. And he reiterated something that I think is interesting, is that he he really maintains this isn't his choice. It's not anyone else in management's choice. He, he says the team is going to essentially tell him what to do with its performance. And if you look at that performance here in recent weeks, you know, I think they've, they've picked up one win in the last 10, 11, 12 days, something like that. I mean, they haven't gained points uh, too much in January. They're, they're drifting a little further and further and further away from the Eastern Conference playoff cutout line. And, you know, obviously two big games still to play before that all-star break. But, you know, I think the wind is blowing in the direction of what Rob Rossi wrote, which is no coincidence. Rob's a excellent reporter, covered that Penguins team for, for 20-odd years and, yeah. you know, really has a good feel, I think, for – what's going on at any given moment around the pens. And, and, you know, it does seem as though they're, they're, they're drifting towards seller territory, but you know, it's a point in time. I think Kyle Dubas, I know he wants to, he wants to see a little bit more before, you know, he, he's putting up the for sale sign at, at PPG paints arena. And, you know, the real for sale sign of course is Jake Kensel in this case, because he's a pending UFA, you know, on pace for another 35 plus goal season, 90 points, you know, 
been a right-hand man with Sidney Crosby for a number of years now, going back to their, their most recent cup seasons. And, you know, I think someone that would be a pretty attractive piece to a lot of contending teams this year. I mean, you have teams like Vancouver and Edmonton and on down the list, you know, Dallas, potentially, you know, Vegas, potentially, we've got to see where the injury situations line up in some of these places. Obviously Colorado and Boston, we've been more focused on centermen, but you know, a number of teams looking to upgrade their forward group. And there's, you know, with respect to the players on the trade board, there's not tons of, there's not tons of options. It's not like if you miss on this player, a there's, there's player B, C, D and E to choose from. And so I think Gensel would become very much sought after at the wing position, especially for someone looking to acquire a top six winger. So, um, you know, I think this, you can start to see the Penguins are going to, as, as much as Calgary has a number of players and they're going to control the marketplace. I think what happens in Pittsburgh will be significant too. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't look good for this version of the team, you know, finding its way into the playoffs, but management isn't ready to run the white flag up the pole just yet. If it does get to a point where they do have to sell off assets, we've mentioned Jake Gensel on previous episodes before. Who else might be of interest for, for NHL teams on this roster? What about guys like Marcus Patterson or Pierre-Olivier Joseph or, or Tristan Jerry? Do, do, we, do you throw him into the goaltending market conversation? I think you are open on everybody not named Crosby, Latang, and Malkin, more or less. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it doesn't mean you're trading your whole team, but, I mean, how could you pronounce anybody off limits? You know, this isn't just one year. It's it's last year as well, right? And, and I know Dubas did make a number of off-season changes after taking the job, you know, last year, late May, early June. But, you know, this this group has not got the job done now for one and a half seasons running and, and the odds of it happening in this next half season are getting, you know, smaller and smaller with each passing day. So, you know, I, I think you look at doing anything you can. Um, a lot of players there have term on their deals. You know, I think someone like Riley Smith, who's on the trade board, you know, with only one more year on his contract, you know, it's would be an interesting figure for some teams. Um, you know, wonder about Ryan Graves. I mean, it just hasn't worked out. He's a big free agent something for the Penguins where they look at moving him. Uh, you know, you got bottom six players like Lars Eller, uh, you know, because a lot of teams at the deadline are sort of adding, you know, closer to the bottom of the roster type of fill-ins. And, you know, he's had playoff success and Stanley Cup success. So I think that there are other guys to move. I mean, Gens- Gensel's the, the blue chip in this case. Um, but, you know, if you go in that direction, I'm not saying it's a full-scale pull-down, but you're, you're probably trying to trade a couple players. Give yourself a little more salary cap flexibility heading into the summer. And, you know, allow some now, you got to fill some holes another way. And, and you've got to, you know, maybe be back in free agency. I mean, the, the truth is, is free agency in the NHL is a hard place to build your team now. I mean, it's a nice place to get one piece that can help you or two pieces, but or, or you know, maybe sort out a bottom six or bottom pairing of your defense. Um but, you know, we just don't – we don't have enough impactful players come available as free agents uh, at, at ages that you want to be, you know, bidding up their services. So, you know, I think it's a big job that, that Kyle has. He knows that. I mean, he got a seven-year contract to go there. So um, this was never going to be judged on the success of one season or not. But, you know, what he is trying to do, of course, is keep them competitive in a window here while they still have – you know, Sidney Crosby is having one of the – best age 36 seasons you could ever imagine, um, you know, approaching 30 goals already and almost single-handedly trying to will that team to a place I'm not sure it can get to. Yeah, it's just, that's the biggest shame in all of this. The fact that the Penguins are where they are and it may result in a 
wasted season for Sidney Crosby, who's still playing at a ridiculously high level at the age of 36. That's that's a really big shame in all of this. I mean, this is this it's the same fate happened, right? Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane played out some big years when Chicago was going nowhere. I mean, this this is the problem uh, with the that the cap poses, right? The salary cap's undefeated, so it, it, it can't keep these teams together. I mean. I won't offer it up yet as a prediction, but Tampa's sort of slowly maybe heading in that direction, although they've had a bounce back here of late. I'm certainly not pronouncing them dead yet, but, you know, it's just every year is tougher that they're losing key guys. Um, you know, Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty spent a couple years out of the playoffs in L.A. I know it's started to trend back up, although now they've hit a, a huge rough rough patch here in January as a team, the Kings. But, you know, this, this is this is the cap world, and especially if you're going to sign eight-year deals and stay where you, were, you are for huge chunks of time. I mean, I don't see any way around this. Yeah, well said. Uh, let's move on to a new segment uh, that we sort of teased on the last episode of the CJ Show, and uh, it is a Thursday, so I think we can actually uh, pull this out and make this work. What if we'll come up with a really cool name for it later, but uh, we want CJ to tap into his big brain of his and go through a trade that almost happened or free agent signing or some hockey move that may, may, it may have been significant enough to alter the course of our universe, let alone the hockey universe. Uh, but yeah, it'd be fun if you could just bring up something uh, that could blow our minds. We're going to try to do this as often as we can on Thursday. I'm going to take you back to the nineties. Sure. It was a simpler, simpler time in the world. You're telling me. You weren't carrying around a computer in your pocket and texting your buddies all day. Um, oh. And a goaltender by the name of Patrick Waugh. Yeah. Famously gets, gets shelled in a game at the Montreal Forum against the Detroit Red Wings. I think it was a 12-1 loss. Ultimately, I think he was in for nine of the goals. And somewhat famously, and I'm sorry, kids, if you're unfamiliar with this, Literally in the middle of the game after getting pulled and, and being upset that he was left in for so many of the goals, went to Ronald Corey at the time, who was sitting just behind the bench and basically demanded a trade. And, you know, we're talking about a goaltender at that point who had already won two Stanley Cups in 86 and 93 with the Canadians, was still pretty much on the top of his game. And, you know, that that prompted a three or four day period where he was made available to a number of teams. And believe it or not, the team that nearly or that was at least as involved as Colorado in the talks was Detroit and why this is significant. First of all, was Detroit that shelled him in the game that, that ultimately led to the, you know, the breaking point. But secondly is Detroit instead, some traded to Colorado. And this is at a time when Detroit was in the Western conference. He gets traded to Colorado, of course, wins the Stanley cup immediately in that first season in 1996, the spring of 1996 with the, the avalanche. And over the next six, seven years, the avalanche and red wings, absolutely hated each other, had some epic playoff series, had to go through each other. And the reason when Colorado had success in those instances was Patrick Waugh most often. I mean, obviously they had Forsberg and Sackick and a killer blue line and lots of other great players. But uh, I just think it's funny that the could have or should have, you know, had Detroit, Detroit did pretty well because after that they won the cup, of course, in 97, 98, 2002 and 2008. Um, but maybe there would have been a chance to even win more than that with Patrick Waugh had they had they pulled the trigger. So that that was one that could have been and didn't happen. And I'm sure there's a little bit of a what if in a few people's minds that were in the middle of being able to potentially pull off that transaction. The one thing I can't get over, it's not just the winning. Those two teams 
hated each other with a passion to the point that it became a, a subject of an E60 uh, on ESPN a few years ago. Could you imagine a really good one? Could you imagine Patrick Waugh in a Detroit Red Wings jersey beating up guys on the Avs? But also, do they lose out on a cup if he doesn't go to that team? What does the viability of hockey in Colorado stand if they don't win that cup in 96 and 2001? Right. And then, you know, this is really appealing to boomers of our pod, but there was a pretty famous point where Curtis Joseph was a Leafs, you know, standout goaltender for the Leafs, and he left in free agency. I'm going to call it in 2003. I hope I'm right on that. Maybe it was 2000, 2002, actually. Uh, and he signed with Detroit on a big money deal. And that didn't work out for the Red Wings or for Curtis. But maybe he stays a Leaf instead of leaving for Detroit if they have Patrick Waugh at that time. I mean, this is this is, this is is hopefully, and, and I'll give us some more current ones in future weeks, but this is like the butterfly effect of you can never know because, you know, there's a set of decisions that 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 follow each decision that's made. And you know, when there's a big player that could have went one or two ways, you know, I think of the Lindros deal where the, the the Rangers thought they had him and he ends up going to Philadelphia. You know, there's, there's a, what if there, uh, if it goes one way or the other, which players, you know, this is, this is the fun of sports. It's, it's imperfect. It's, it involves humans. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking of Patrick Waugh this week, of course, because uh, it's seeing him behind the bench with the Islanders now. I, I believe uh, I saw something float around where uh, Patrick Waugh, I believe uh, on Thursday uh, is in Montreal. Will be coaching against the Montreal Canadiens. He knows a thing or two about that team. He wants. Uh, <laughs> it seems as if he might want as much uh, uh, pressure off him as possible entering that game. A uh, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> It'll be an interesting night. A good night. It'd be fun for our reporter colleagues in Montreal too. Oh, they're going to feed off of that. Anyway, I believe we've torn through as much as we could tear through on today's show, which means uh, we can get to stick taps, or if you have a cross-check, you are more than welcome to use it. Well, I'm sure you're expecting me to take the low-hanging fruit and stick tap the Edmonton Oilers as they're setting records and winning 14 in a row, but I am instead going to take my stick tap south to San Jose and to Logan Couture because, you know, we talked about the Sharks when they were at their lowest point this season, only a couple weeks ago, but they have reeled off now three straight wins after beating the Rangers coming back uh, on Tuesday night, Couture has just played his first handful of games after missing the whole start of the season injured. Uh, they're a little different team with him in the lineup naturally. And so I will stick tap them because it has been a long, miserable year as we talked about. And to win three in a row must feel great after, you know, they've had multiple losing streaks of 10 or more already. That's pretty good. I'll take Interest the Everton. I'm not just going to kick the team when they're down. We, we should, we should remark on them also when they bounce back a little. Yeah, good on the San Jose Sharks for look. No one likes to lose, so any opportunity for them uh, to be respectable and get some wins, that's good for them. It's got to feel good. We, we, we were hearing from players saying that they needed to find ways to get away from the losing, away from the rink, and just kind of it seemed like it was getting to them. So I'm I'm happy that they're getting a win of some sort. I know they're picking up wins in real life, but they're getting a win over here on the CJ Show. Good on you for doing oh. that. Oh. Um. I'll just give my stick tap to the Edmonton Oilers for what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> 14, I'll just take it. I'll just take it. You just left it right there. I'll just take it. Uh, 14 wins in a row. Really incredible accomplishment. Rising from the dead, it looked like. And in talking to people around the team who are covering this team, it seems as if this is one of the best iterations of this team they've seen in a long time. A team that found a way to produce offensively 
and do well defensively. I don't know if they're going to match that record uh, 17 game winning streak from the Pittsburgh Penguins or if it'll get to 20. But the fact that the Edmonton Oilers were as far back as they were with a bad start to the year to the point now where they could end up in a top three spot in the division when it's all said and done. That is a pretty incredible accomplishment. So I will give them a stick tap. And they passed the Leafs. I was looking in points percentage. So they're up to the third best points percentage in Canada behind Winnipeg and Vancouver. For those who, for those who believe in the old adage, uh, how does this affect the Leafs? Right there. Just feeding feeding it to the beast. I'm bringing it up more because there's a lot of talk being based up here in Canada, Julian, about could this be the year we see a Canadian cup winning team. And so even more dialed into the fortunes of those teams, because they actually do have a few, a few really good options. I'm just teasing you. I just wanted to crack a joke. Anyway, uh, (laughs) we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode of the CJ show. Get your questions in now, whether off of discord or on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, however you listen to the show and through the SDPN YouTube channel. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Enjoy your weekend and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.